0: What is up, everybody? How's it going? This time my microphone's on, right, Roman? Am I good? Good evening, everybody. Um, here's the deal. What's the deal with all these new nicknames? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. That's the only my mom calls me Jared Bear. All right. Hey, I want to ask you guys. How many sandcastles do you think you've made in your entire life? Raise your hand if it's more than 20. Raise your hand if it's more than 40. Raise your hand if it's more than 100. Oh, um, I don't know. Raise your hand if it's more than 130. 150. Are you guys for real right now? Yes. Okay, raise your hand if it's more than a 200. You guys gotta be lying. At this point. Do you have a part-time job making sandcastles? Okay, I'm going to show you guys some cool pictures of sandcastles. This is, have anybody ever made a sandcastle this nice? Yes! That's pretty nice. Let's show the next one. Here's another one. Look at that beauty. That's okay, that's okay. It's pretty cool looking. Let's let's look at another one. Always have these beautiful steeples. One time, when I was a kid, there was a sandcastle that looked like this on the beach. People spent like all morning making it, then they left, so nobody was around. And I went up and I just, I really wanted to touch the sandcastle, right? When it just looks like that. And so I just kind of went over there just to touch it. And then this lady named, I was going to say Karen, but I don't know what her actual name was. She's like, no, you can't touch that. So anyway, sandcastles can be very fragile. If you make a sandcastle, it might turn out like this guy right here in the video every time, eventually. Oh my God. (laughs) Hey, well, he's cheating So he's building a sandcastle and then down it goes. Imagine you spend all day working on your sandcastle and that's what happens. It's inevitable that at some point all sandcastles will fall. Even the mightiest sandcastle that when you were a little toddler at Oceanside or Carlsbad Beach growing up that you made and you built all the trenches to block the ocean, that mighty sandcastle too has fallen. It's inevitable. In our series on community, we're talking about how to build healthy friendships. And unfortunately, can I have your attention guys? Unfortunately, because we live in a world where people are imperfect, and because we live in a world where people hurt each other, it is inevitable that at some point our friendships and our relationships will fall down. And conflict will happen. So tonight we're talking about something that you've probably been wanting to talk about for a long time. You just weren't really thinking about it. But it's something that you think about more than you think you do. Because people gossip at your school. Because you have felt hurt or betrayed. Because you have tried so hard to be a good friend. But you keep having arguments with that one friend or that one sibling. And you don't really want to. And just one more argument makes you just want to, like, stuff a pillow in their face when they're sleeping. Okay, maybe not that intense. But you keep wanting to argue again and again and again. And you're like, how do I deal with this constant conflict? Am I the problem? Are they the problem? Is it both of us? How do we deal with conflict? And we've all seen some bad examples of dealing with conflict, right? Like people yelling at each other. I remember, you guys want to hear one of the meanest things I ever did to my brother? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in this argument, fighting over something, we're wrestling, and I pinned my brother down. He's my, he's my older brother, but I've always just been like a little bigger than him. So I pinned him down, and as I have my brother pinned down, I take off my sock. Oh. My dirty, smelly sock that I've been wearing all day. And he's like, no, no, no. And I stuff this sock into his mouth. And I don't know. I don't know why. Why can't you just like close your mouth? I don't understand. But somehow, someway, I stuffed the sock into his mouth, and he's all trying to push it out with his tongue. Oh! And, and I'm like pushing the sock further into his mouth. And it was kind of a messed-up thing to do. You should do it. Don't, that, don't that's not the application for today's message. But that is an example of maybe how we cannot deal with conflict well. Now, on a more serious note. Maybe. On a similar note, you guys have been in a household or there's been times in your house where maybe your parents are yelling at each other or maybe your parents yell at you guys or you, you yell back and there's ways that you deal with conflict in your home that you know aren't really healthy or maybe there's ways that you've dealt, be leaders guys, be leaders. Maybe there's ways that you've dealt with conflict amongst your friends that wasn't really healthy. Why does it matter how we handle conflict? Handling conflict matters because God is obsessed with relationships. God is a relational God. And more than anything, God made us to be relational, first and foremost, to have a relationship with him. But also to have good relationships with others. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandment is love God. The second greatest commandment is love people, others. So... God takes it so far that this is what he says. This is what Jesus says about God valuing unity in relationships. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, he says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. God takes relationships so seriously and unity in relationships so seriously that Jesus said, if you're gonna go make your sacrifice at the temple, back in this day, they made sacrifices at the temple to be made right with God. Before you go to be made right with God, go and be made right with the person you have offended, the person you have conflict with. Because your relationship with God is directly connected to your relationship with others including your enemies. How? Now, this doesn't mean that if somebody doesn't like you, then God doesn't like you. That's not what this means, okay? What this means is if there's conflict and bitterness in your heart, that will affect your relationship with God. And I gotta be honest with you guys, the dark side of me hates this. You know that dark side of you? That's like the side of you earlier that was imagining stuffing a pillow in your sibling's face when you're arguing with that side of you, the dark side. We got that dark side, the light side. The Bible calls the dark side of us our flesh and the light side, the spirit, really the spirit of God inside of us. And my flesh, my dark side hates this, hates the fact that Jesus calls me to love my enemies to be reconciled. To people I disagree with in those moments when I disagree with them. Because if someone hurts you, it it hurts. And it's easy when someone hurts us to be offended and to like wallow in our bitterness and just think about that over and over again. And that feeling of like hatred deep down inside us just kind of grows and wells up. But bitterness isn't really what we're made for, guys. Because if somebody hurts you, they hurt you once. But if you are bitter over somebody hurting you, then you're allowing them to keep hurting you each and every single day that you choose to be bitter over that. It's like if you get shot, like in the arm or something, and there's this bullet hole in your arm, and they take the bullet out, and it's supposed to have time to heal. But every day, you stick your finger inside your wound, and you wiggle it around. It's, not gonna, it's pretty gross, right? It's not going to heal that way. And I give you guys that gross graphic illustration to say when someone hurts us, it hurts. And we need healing from that. But we can't heal if we are choosing to remain bitter. We have to be able to forgive. Or maybe you hurt somebody else. And maybe you need to go apologize. Now, usually in a conflict, it does go both ways. There's this old phrase, it takes two to tango. It usually goes both ways when there's a conflict. And when you let go of your bitterness, then you can own your part to seek reconciliation. There's a story in the Bible about this between two guys named Paul and John Mark. We see this story in Acts chapter 15. Alright, so here it is. After some time, this is Paul and Barnabas, they're on the mission field together, planting churches, They say, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of God to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Bartimaeus took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. These are some of the most famous spiritual leaders in history. They're in the Bible. These are pastors who founded the church of God, the church that we are in today, thousands of years later. This is way back when in the book of Acts, They are founding the church and they have a conflict with one another. And it's so bad that they can't even. Hi, Brianna. Welcome. I actually knew you were coming because I have the stalker app on my phone. So I was like, is Brianna coming tonight? Yeah. It's okay. You're allowed to stalk somebody if you're married to them. Anyways, the leaders in the early church, they were fighting so much with each other that they couldn't even tell people about Jesus together. So if you feel like, oh man, I'm a bad Christian because I have this conflict, well, that kind of makes you just like Paul and John Mark, two of the people who started the church. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you like everybody else, someone who needs to grow. Are you in conflict with someone right now? And is the person that you are in conflict with maybe even a follower of Jesus as well? When I was in high school, I played basketball and I transferred school my sophomore year to a private school. I was playing basketball over there and all these kids grew up together in private school. I grew up in public school my whole life. I transferred over here. They all grew up together. So I come in and I took a role that they weren't ready for me to take on the team. So they were used to playing with all their buddies but then I come in and they weren't ready to play with somebody new. It's kind of like clicky. And so it got to the point where we had such bad chemistry on the team. They're like, Jared's a ball hog, he's horrible. Even though I had the most assists on the team, which if you don't know basketball, that means like passing and stuff like that. But that's that's beside the point, we had this major conflict. And it ruined our team because we were actually a pretty good team. We had a lot of good players. But because we had this conflict, and I gotta be honest, I had an ego. I had an ego. They had egos. And all these eagles were butting up against each other. But because we couldn't get along, our team couldn't really go that far. And we weren't as good as we could have been. It's horrible to have conflict on the same team. When you have conflict with somebody who's on your team, everybody loses. And that's the case when it comes to having conflict with a brother or sister in Christ. Because they're not the real enemy. The real enemy is Satan. It's not your brother or sister. He's the real enemy. So when Christians fight, everybody loses. And Paul and John Mark are fighting with each other. But the principles of how to resolve conflict, how to handle it, can be the same, whether it's with somebody that's a fellow believer or not. So at some point, we do know that Paul and John Mark reconciled. It doesn't give us the detail behind the story of how that happened. But in Colossians 4.10, Paul is in prison and he's writing a letter and he says, that's a hard name to say. I got to be honest with you guys. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings and so does Mark Barnabas's cousins. As you instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. So this Mark right here is John Mark. The Bible says John Mark is called John Mark, but is usually called Mark. So here we see all these years later, Mark is visiting Paul in prison. How does this happen? What happened between them to make them be reconciled to one another? What changed for them? What has to change in us to resolve our conflicts? Here's the first thing that we have to know. Our perspective on conflict has to change. Conflict provides an opportunity for personal growth. I had somebody that hurt me really bad. And I can't give you guys all the details of that because then I don't wanna go to the point of like gossiping about that person. But I had somebody hurt me really bad. And in that process that I was going through, I realized that God was showing me that I had more in common with that person who hurt me than I realized And that's not a fun truth to come to. God was showing me, hey, this person that's hurting you, you have treated others others this way as well. And God was showing me, hey, I put this person in your life to show you who you can be to others. And who you could become someday if you are not close in your relationship to me. So God used a conflict that I had with somebody else to show me how I could personally grow. I just wonder if when you have conflict with somebody, if the things that annoy you about that person sometimes could be the things that you need to change within yourself as well. And maybe God wants to show you that. The second thing for a perspective on conflict, conflict provides opportunities for relational growth. There's two red flags in a relationship. One is that people argue all the time. Another what do you guys think is the other red flag? The first one is people argue all the time. What's the other one? They never, they, never they never argue. That's good. People never argue. If people never argue, what does that probably mean? What do you think? They don't care? I think it makes that they're probably not being honest. They're probably not being honest. Because if you hang around anybody long enough, that person is going to say something that maybe annoys you or maybe offends you. Like maybe they'll say a joke and you can say, you know, I feel like that joke was kind of mean, Or I don't really like it when you told me that. Or I don't really like it when you act like that around your friends and you kind of treat me like less than. Because relationships that are honest are going to have some conflict. Now you can have healthy conflict, but if you have no conflict, it's probably not a healthy relationship. So conflict provides an opportunity for relational growth. So what do we do? If that's our perspective on conflict, what should we actually do? What's the lesson that Paul learned to be able to resolve his conflict with John Mark? I think we see some of that lesson in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. Paul is talking to the church and he's telling them about how to get along. He says this, Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What should we actually do to handle conflict that we have with our friends and our family and our enemies? The first thing, and this is important, this is the most important thing, and it's also the hardest thing to do, develop a posture of humility. A posture of humility. We think it's strong to be proud and stand over people, but that's not real strength. I need somebody to help me out real quick for an illustration. Who's in the front row right here? We got right here, Anthony, help me out, buddy. Anthony, put your arms out like this, okay? I'm going to put my arms out. Same thing, parallel to you. Now, I want you to try, when I say count of three, lift your arms up, and I'm going to try to push your arms down. Ready? One, two, three. It's way easier to push your arms down. Now you do it to me. All right, ready? One, two, three. Come on. You can do it, buddy. Okay, maybe this wasn't the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you did a great job. Good job. Let's go for Anthony. Who thinks they can do it? Please, please, please. I mean, Ethan, Ethan, right here. Ethan, come here. Come here, bro. All right, go like this. All right, ready? Put your arms up. Go. Okay, they're down. All right, ready? Now push my arms down. Oh, I have no chance on that. There's no way. All right, let's go up for Ethan. Here's the point. Here's the point, you guys. Which one was harder? Easy answer. Going up or down? Going up is way harder. It takes a lot more strength to lift people up than it does to tear people down. And in our culture, where people are always trying to, like, lure themselves over others and put them down or they're being bullies... That's not strength, you guys. Strength is taking a posture of humility. But to be able to take a posture of humility, that means that you put yourself below others. He says, count others as greater than yourselves. Real strength is having humility during the conflict. The person during the conflict who just wants to be right and is just fighting and trying to put themselves over that other person, that's not the strong person. That's the weak person because it takes strength to lift people up, not tear them down. (laughs) The second thing that you can do in a conflict is choose to forgive. Colossians chapter three, verse 13 says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. We like to be first in a lot of things. Today at Madison Middle School, we did the Bible Club at lunchtime, and it's an awesome time. And everybody wants to be first in line for pizza. We always want to be first. Here's something nobody ever wants to be first for. The first to forgive in a conflict. The first to forgive. Because you always want to wait for that other person to forgive. Like in the bitterness in your heart, they're like, like, I don't want to go to them. I don't want to humble myself before them. But God calls us to be the first to forgive, to let go of that bitterness in our heart. Here's the last thing that you can do to resolve conflict. Be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Who can tell me what a peacekeeper is? You guys know what that is? Peacekeeper? Keeper of the peace? A peacekeeper is somebody... That pretends like everything is okay when it's not really okay. That's a peacekeeper. And what happens if you're a peacekeeper or a people pleaser is things build up and up and up and up. And then it blows up and it can be really bad. You guys ever seen that happen before? What? A peacekeeper pretends like everything's okay. A peacemaker is honest. And acknowledges when everything is not okay. And they take steps for reconciliation to actually Make peace. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. A peacekeeper doesn't really do anything. They just try to pretend like nothing's going on. But a peacemaker does all that they can to live at peace with others. And after you've done all that you can, you can let it go. You can let it go. Jesus is a peacemaker. Did you know that? Jesus was a peacemaker to you because you didn't have peace with God. And maybe if you haven't put your faith in him yet, maybe you don't have peace with God. We don't have peace with God because our sin and our disobedience separated us far from him and it broke our relationship with him. But Jesus being the peacemaker that he is, he came to actually take action and make a way for you to have peace with God. He did this by taking your sins on the cross, by dying in your place, the punishment that you deserved. And he rose from the grave, defeating that sin and death forevermore. So if you receive him by faith, you can have peace with God. He's a peacemaker. And if you know Jesus, then you can start to grow and really know how to have peace with others when you have conflict and a friendship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us a blueprint here today about how to resolve our conflicts and our friendship, Lord. And we thank you that you came, Jesus, to be our peacemaker, to give us peace with God.